Welcome to Shy Sports Combo. We are your hosts, Edgar Romero and Martin Barraza. And today's episode will be covering mostly the Cubs and, and White Sox, and as well as the NBA playoffs. How's it going, Martin? How's your How was your weekend? Well, it's good. The weather's turning. I think it's it, it it's a beautiful day. It's it's about time we drop we dropped the coats and hats, and now good weather and and baseball. That's all there is to it. We'll be talking about plenty of baseball throughout the podcast, throughout the summer, since that's what we are focused on. But we got one team that's on a losing streak and the other team that's on a winning streak. Let's start with the winning streak, Chicago White Sox. As last we recorded on Wednesday, we told you that the Sox beat the Cubs on Tuesday 3-1. Which was awfully a pretty much a close game. Uh, and then on Wednesday, we left. We stopped the show when the Cubs were trying to come back and tie it 4-4. But the White Sox bullpen managed to stay put and get out of that jam. And bring in Mr. Liam Hendricks to close the game and save the game for the White Sox. And the White Sox beat the Cubs on Wednesday 4-3. Overall, you know, a brand new rubber. Each went two for four. Each had an R- uh, one. Uh, Abreu had an RBI, but then Pollock, Sheetan, and Garcia each went one for four. I had an RBI each, while Horner, the lone Cub, had, went one for four with a two-run home run, I believe. Yes, it was a two-run home run. Yep, Nico Horner. Yeah. Nico Horner is getting hot for the Cubs. Like he's getting hot, he's been getting hits constantly for the past two weeks, which that's nice to see because we knew that he he looks like a similar Mr. Ryan Sandberg type of player, and it's finally good to see him that he's finally hitting his strokes and everything. But yeah, the Sox swept the Cubs in those two games. I don't know why it's a two-game series, but it's a two-game series. And then the Sox moved on to the Red Sox. They had the day off on Saturday, on Thursday, and moved to Boston for a three-game weekend, and they swept the Red Sox. Let's start with Friday's game. Velasquez got the winning winning picture, and Yovaldi lost that game. Two straight and wins for Velasquez, looking impressive. Looking impressive, but at the end of the day, let's see, is he started off shaky. Then looks like they, they found themselves, but they won 4-2. He went five innings, gave up three hits and one earned run. While Yovaldi went five innings, gave up six hits and three earned runs. Um, Anderson, like always, is always sitting off the bat. Three, he went three for five. Jose Abreu one for four with a home run. And Lee's Robert one for four with two runs batted in. And the Sox win that game Friday. And then Saturday, they win again because, you know, you they had their, for me right now, their current aces didn't cease. It was a tight game, I believe, I guess, towards the ninth. Where, yep, ninth, where the, um, the Red Sox closers gave it up because they believe the wrestlers were up one to nothing and 
they got with the closer and then the Sox big, came back to win that game. Big hit by Luis Robert. Yep. Big hit by Luis Robert as he went two for five. Two for five and T.A. two for four and Garcia two for three. So the White Sox stole that game and won that game three to one. And Sunday, Keiko. Surprisingly, when six innings gave up, gave up eight hits, two earned runs, and had five strikeouts. He won that game against uh, Hook from the Red Sox, which is probably another pitcher. It was probably a bullpen day for them because he only went 2.2 innings, had four hits and three earned runs. And that game, it was Jose Abreu went one for four with two, two runs batted in, and Garcia one for four with three with an RBI, and they won that game 3 2 for another close game. So. So far, the Sox turned around their their losing streak and got a couple of games winning streaks, but mostly all closed games. Um, how could you compare this team from last year to this year? This team is this team is different. Um, they still look they're winning the games, but they still look like. They needed to add more pieces or have that um, lineup start hitting more. But so far, the pitching has lasted. The bullpen looks to be in better shape now. What are your thoughts on this team so far? How are you looking at the White Sox? Well, I think they... Unfortunately, they, they kind of picked up their spirits against the Cubs. Now... Yeah. That second game, the one where we were recording the episode last week on Wednesday, very infuriating as a Cubs fan because the Cubs, the White Sox relievers didn't make fantastic pitches. I mean, like borderline pitches. They just threw the ball down the middle and the Cubs did not swing at the pitches in that that eighth. Yeah, in that eighth inning, there was a couple, Ian Happ and even uh, Ansea Suzuki had two pitches right down the middle with runners in scoring position, and they just didn't swing. Uh, so they had a good momentum going out of that series against Boston. Boston has not done very good this year. Uh, Boston, outside of their big three, uh, J.D. Martinez, Xander Bogarts, and Rafael Devers, they haven't really played well. The, uh, the Red Sox bullpen has been terrible this year. And you yes. can, and it was on full display in that series because the White Sox came back from behind a couple of games. I think you're the White Sox. You're very encouraged with Vince Velasquez's last two outings. I know he's right now on the bubble, especially with Lynn supposedly going to come back. And then they have Johnny Cueto waiting in the wing. So he has to perform to, you know, keep his rotation spot. And even though he gave up eight hits, Dallas Keuchel only gave up two runs and they won the ball game. Um, they're not winning by a lot of runs. I think they're just doing just enough. Again, so far, these White Sox have started off very slow these last two years. So we'll see if they pick it up. I do think they're missing something. And one luxury that they don't have this year is that the the American League Central isn't is more competitive with with uh, with the Minnesota Twins. And even the Cleveland Guardians, even though they don't have much hitting, they still have a very potent rotation. 
and that could give this team problems. They're supposed to get Joe Kelly back for today's game against the Cleveland Guardians, and they're getting back uh, Yoan Mancata. So hopefully that gives some less give makes this uh, lineup a little bit deeper because they got to stop playing Danny Mendick and Leori Garcia because they're not very good. Yeah, that, that that's very true. Like they, um, one thing about injuries, once you get them, that doesn't guarantee that they're gonna be the players that they were before they got injured. Uh, oh, yeah, that gets very difficult. That's a, especially depending on what what type of injury they got. Uh, I know they're expecting Elo Jimenez, Lance Lynn as well. Anything with Lance Lynn has to do with a pitching arm or or a hamstring issue. Um, I have to double check. I'm not sure what's his injury. I think it might be a hamstring. No, okay. But I will. I will double check. But um, what do you think? What do you think they should do with Jake Berger now that Yohan Mancata is up? Uh, they gotta find a way. To tell you the truth, man. They, I feel like they still need pieces. This is this thing the team, even regardless of the players that that got injured and they come back 100. They still need pieces. I don't think that, that that team is is enough to win a World Series. And a lot of people are still saying, "Oh no, this is a good team." Like, no, 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 no. Last year's team was a good team because you. The pitchers were doing good. The bullpen was being dominant, except for Mr. Craig Kimbrell. The offense was there. It's just the moment that you guys got to the playoffs. It's just everything just went sideways. And I don't know if that had to do maybe most to Tony Larusa for the play. So what do you think? You think Tony Larusa? For me, I think it was Tony Larusa leaning towards him. Being at fault that the White Sox pretty much lost last season instead of continuing, because man, they had it all. Everything was going smooth. The pitching was good, the open was good, and the offense is good. Uh, I think Tony Larusa had some faults in it. I also think that the starting pitching let this team down. I think at points, I think one aspect too that gets overlooked by the collapse last year is that this team couldn't hit. They couldn't hit at all. A lot of people don't mention that, but yeah, I think Tony Larusa has something to do with it. And I don't know. I think he's not going to be the manager that gets them over the top. I think they're going to have to be like the Cubs, or they got Joe Madden, somebody else, but with a different mentality. But you know, yeah. you know, uh, Jerry Ryan's or you know, I want Tony Larusa. I want a championship with Larusa. So he wants he wants to win a championship with Larusa. So, I don't know. I think we're, we're kind of stuck with LaRusso until they win a championship and then he'll retire. Yeah, for the part of that, true. Yeah, but oh, yeah, update way- on Lance Lynn. Lance Lynn has a tear in his right knee. So, that's why he's out. Not his not his arm or, or hamstring. Or hamstring. So, his right knee. So, if he's, when he's ready to come back, you cannot tell me that he's going to be 100% comfortable just throwing pitches with his right knee and not thinking in speck of his mind that it's going to go break down or it's going to be lingering some injuries still or not feeling 100%. Yeah, 
especially with pitching, because pitching is a key, is a real key thing. There's a lot of pitchers that get Tommy John surgery, and when they return, they return iffy, and it takes them like at least a full season or a season and a half for them to get back into the groove. Do you agree with that or no? Yeah, but the good thing for him is his, his arm is not hurt, but they're going to have to ease him in because with his knee, he hasn't been able, I don't think he's been able to work his arm that much. Trying to get, you know, get the impact on that knee because that right knee is basically the knee that he uses his motion with. It's not yep. his plant knee, but it's the one he uses his motion with. And I'm, I don't know how he's been working out his arm. But I don't. Yeah. I think they're gonna have to ease him through. That's where Vince Velasquez will probably still have to stay, even though they get a guy like Johnny Cueto. But they're gonna have to ease Lance Lynn in, and we'll see how he performs because he picked up a little knickknack injuries last year, and I think he wasn't right either going into the playoffs. And but suppose they're getting all their players back, and we'll see how they we'll see how they perform. And we'll see if, if they're up for the competition because they have, they were asking for the competition. Yeah, they're asking for the competition. Some are already heating up. I believe they're facing the Guardians right now currently. Yeah, they face mm-hmm. the Guardians three games this week from Monday to Wednesday and then Thursday to Sunday. The Yankees come to town and we'll mm-hmm. see Anthony Rizzo on the other side. Yep, the Red Hot Yankees. The Red Hot Yankees and Anthony Rizzo hitting bombs as we predicted that he was going to hit a shitload of home runs in Yankee Stadium because of the <laughs> left and right field. But yeah, you know what's funny? What? Out of all the ex Cubs, he got paid he's the least, player. and I think he's having the best season yeah. so far. Baez yeah. got hurt, Bryant got hurt, and and uh, Schwarber's not playing well. Schwarber, yeah, Schwarber's not playing well, and Rizzo is playing well. And, and and that's the funny part. Out of all those four guys, me and you said, who do you want to see back? We always picked Anthony Rizzo. And I thought, good for him. He, he deserves it over there. And, and everything. But yeah, for the White Sox, I don't know. If they could hold off to Jake Berger, might as well he could be a, a July trade deadline trade chip. Because I feel like the White Sox will need to add more starting rotation into into this staff. I would I would like Jake Berger as much as Josh Harrison has played before, and I don't like Lurie Garcia, and I don't like Danny Mendick, but I'm not a White Sox fan, but I don't like them. I would like to see Jake Berger kind of play second base and settle into that second base role. Yeah, but the problem is. The White Sox gave an extension to Garcia, so they're stuck with him. Well, he can be he can be uh, their Swiss Army knife and play all over the field. I mean, I don't know. Leori Garcia is not a starting level player. He's he's in the bench. He should be in the bench, and I think I would give an opportunity to Jake Berger. Yeah, but we'll see. Cause they need some answers. They need something to get going on. Even though they're in a party, uh, they're going to be in a seven-game winning streak. But you still want to see a better rotation and dominant rotation. Because like you said, we're, they're facing off against the Guardians. And the Guardians have a good starting rotation. And the Yankees, they're the Red Hot Yankees. 
Now they are hitting the cover. They're tearing the cover off the ball, and the Yankees finally have some decent pieces in the rotation. Yes, like Severino has been pitching very well, and you know Garrett Cole is Garrett Cole. You got Montgomery, you got Cortez, you got. They have some arms over there in New York, and they're yeah. they're dangerous. Yeah, they're dangerous. And Chapman's being Chapman. He's consistent. Comes into close games. He closes games. Obviously, he's not going to be the dominant closer as he was before, but he still manages to close games. But yeah, uh, that's the, those are the four games that I want to see and see how the White Sox do with those four games. But moving on to our Chicago Cubs. Besides losing the two games to the White Sox, they had a day off on Thursday and had a three-game weekend against the visiting Los Angeles Dodgers. And the moment yes. they said the Dodgers were coming, we already knew we had to getting swept. And that's what happened. They got swept. Yep. Nasty. I, yeah, but I said yikes when I heard I heard you mention them. And that's exactly what we got. Yep. I knew that was going to happen, so Friday was canceled due to rain, so they played a doubleheader on Saturday, and on game one, the Dodgers beat the Cubs 7-0, with Kershaw going seven innings, five hits, zero earned runs, one walk, and two strikeouts, and Drew Smiley, this was his probably horrible, well, one of his lowest games, he only went 4.1 innings, Giving up six hits, two earned runs, two walks, and four strikeouts. While Mr. Horner st- still stays high, he went two for three. But yeah, as we knew, and Kershaw looks 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 better. Really so, good. And he, and he only signed a one-year deal. So if the Cubs are looking for a starting pitching next year, take a look at life for Kershaw if he doesn't resign with the Dodgers. Well, I, no. I think he's a Dodger for life, don't you think? Yeah, but he probably know, signed these one-year deals. Yeah, but, but probably, yeah, no, you're right, but that's why I said, just in case we don't resign with the with the Dodgers and, like, say, the Cubs want to get them extra money to come here, that would be a nice piece to add to a rotation with the young likes, like Caleb Killian, if, he stay, if, he, if he's proven to be a good starting pitcher or whatever, and Strowman and Hendricks at the end of the bullpen, as you know, Hendricks is not the ace. But moving on to game two. The Dodgers beat the Cubs 6-2. Tyler Anderson did good, and it was a bullpen game, so they had Daniel Norris start, but he lost that game for the Cubs. Contreras went 3-4, for four, had an RBI, and Horner went again 1-4. for four. And that was pretty much the Saturday's doubleheader that the Cubs lost on Sunday. Another... Another, another clunker. Another, yep, another clunker, Mr... Walker Bueller against Justin Steele. Uh, Walker Bueller wins that game, went seven innings, four hits, one and run, two walks, and six, six strikeouts. While Mr. Justin Steele only went four innings, gave up three hits, two and runs, two walks, and three Ks. Contreras went one for four with a home run, and Horner went one for four. Uh, the Cubs are in a five game losing streak. Yeah. So. They may continue today as they fly out to San Diego from Monday to Wednesday. And then Friday through Sunday, the Cubs will be at Arizona. So, besides the games, I'm seeing a lot of pitch, pitching injuries. 
Marcus Sherman was supposed to start, I believe, Sunday's game, and he went down. He went into the IL. I think he's got COVID. Oh, he has COVID. I think, okay, I make... think he. I think he went into the COVID protocol IL. Okay. But yeah. I didn't. I didn't get that the details. Okay, so there you go. That's the reason why. Okay, that makes sense. So there you go. So and I believe Sean Newcomb should be getting one of these starts, and Wade Miley should be coming back soon as well. So, the Cubs started off with injury injuries left and right due to the holdup of the whole um, MLB the player. The lockout, yeah. But, as a Cubs fan that we are, we already knew that the Cubs are not... This team was not built to be to be that they're going to make it to the World Series and win. By any chance that this team was built, it was built to probably take one of the last spots of the wild card. If they were hitting. But at this point right now, currently, they're in a losing streak and they're not showing any anything that they're they're good. Maybe later on during the week, maybe they do come back, but by from here all the way to the trade deadline. If the Cubs don't manage to be good, then it's gonna be a losing season and we are hoping that so far right now, David Robinson looks good. Could be a good trade chip. Mm-hmm. He'll help out a back. He'll help out a bullpen that needs. I don't think on a good bullpen he'll be a closer, but I think he'll be an eighth inning guy or a big time setup man who can help you. Who can help you yep. in the playoffs? David Robinson looks good, and if Wade Miley comes back and shows that he still has it, he's another trade chip too that that will help a uh, starting rotation. So Cubs fans, don't get mad that if the Cubs don't win this year or whatever. Yes, I understand that the owners, the Rickets didn't come out or, or, or Jed Horser didn't say, oh, you know, they said that they were going to be a competitive team. Obviously, I need to say that. A team always needs to be competitive. They're not just going to come out and say, yeah, we're going to suck this year. We're not even going to do nothing. We're just going to lose on purpose. And what's the whole point of not saying that they're going to be competitive? But... Each person has eyes. We know we, we could tell when the team is really good and they're going to do something special just by looking at them. And we know that this team is nothing special. We just like the pieces that they did. By signing Seiya Suzuki, getting Marcus Stroman, they give us a little bit something, you know, okay, for the future. It could be next year, it could be the following year. My eyes is the following year, 2024. And that's where I see the Cubs being more competitive or actually being push the hatch to the thing. I don't know. What, what's your thoughts on the on the Cubs team? Well, I think here in, in Chicago and I think nationally, I think a lot of the onus, I think, or a lot of the eyeballs are like, look at the White Sox, they're hurt. But then, quietly, they're getting healthy and I look at the Cubs, their pitching staff is, all, is very unhealthy right now um kyle Hendricks, and we'll talk about everything everything more in a second but let's focus right now on the pitching yes right now the starting pitching kyle Hendricks has not been very consistent i'm starting to get worried are you worried about the the professor's performance yes because there's some things that he's a hit or miss there's games that he starts phenomenal and there's games that he's not he needs to figure it out a little bit needs to be more because the team is going to need them 
Yeah, I think this year they've needed him to be a little bit consistent more than ever, right? Because they yeah. just not wanted to invest aside from one pitcher, but they haven't really wanted to assess big time talent in the pitching. Yeah. And he needed to be a little bit more consistent. And he, I think he's been having one of his worst seasons that I can remember. Yeah, it's probably some, some mechanics or the elbow's probably a little bit too too down or something. Yeah, or, or it could be the fact that, you know, like the lack of velocity is starting to catch up to him. Yeah. And yeah, I, maybe he's not on point or something, but that's him. Marcus Stroman, I think you were alluding to in the last episode of the pod, he was starting to get more more consistent, and I kind of wanted to see him pitch against the Dodgers, yeah. like a good lineup, and see that would have been a good test to see, like, okay, he might be our ace now instead of Hendricks, because yeah. Hendricks has not been playing well. Fortunately, he got COVID and he had to be placed in the IL. So he's out. Uh, Drew Smiley, he's been kind of inconsistent as well. He's been giving you some okay starts some good starts and then this last start has not been good justin Steele got hurt in his last start which is not good and who would be who's their fifth starter they use a bullpen okay they've been using a bullpen arm keegan thompson has been pitching very well from the pen i think he came in in one of the dodger games and he got rocked a little bit he got brought to he gave up like a run or two runs, but he still pitched consistently because he probably pitched like three or four innings and stuff. In that yeah, game, so. he might be a guy that teams are going to be interested in, and I don't know if the Cubs might want to part ways with him. But the yeah. bullpen, their bullpen has been pretty good. I think uh, Michael Givens has been Michael Givens has been kind of hit or miss. Um, but yeah, you expect, look at the rotation. It's worse than last year. And last year yes. we were all kind of complaining. And I'm annoyed about this year. And we've, we've, we've said in previous years or this past year, and even this year coming in for the Chicago Bears, right? The focus is on Justin Fields. This year for the Cubs, it's not about winning the division because they're not they're not in the level of Milwaukee or St. Louis nope I want to see the young players and unfortunately the Cubs don't have any young players but the young players that have like Steele and Keegan Thompson and like guys like McMadrigal and guys like Nico Horner uh, those guys Alfonso Rivas even though I'm not that big of a fan you want guys you want to see how they play. Say yes, Suzuki, you want to see how he play. Yeah. Uh, now let's look at their lineup. Rafael Ortega is not hitting well. He needs their DH. That tells you that tells you everything you need to know. Say yes, Suzuki is struggling ever since he got moved up to the number two spot. As a Cubs fan, and I know we're not gonna win every game. My thing is I want to watch his performance and how well he yeah. adjusts because he's a big guy going into the future. Because 2024, like you said, is my big, my my big year, my plan. It's right there. Ian Happ, I think he's not going to be on this team. No. So I wanted to kill him during the Sox game. He had a fastball right down the middle to potentially put some wood on it, and he froze. 
Wilson Contreras. I'm very, uh, the Cubs. What are they going to do with Wilson Contreras? Are they going to re-sign him, or are they going to give him the Baez Rizzo, uh, Brian treatment? Because I feel like that's what they're doing, and I think he's the guy that you need to invest. Those type of catchers don't grow on trees. Nope. You're right, and I'm hoping that they do invest in him. Because if they don't, then I don't know. They cannot rely on Miguel Amaya. Or Jan Gomes. Jan Gomes Gomes can't hit at all. He can't hit. He's a good backup catcher who plays very good defense, but he can't hit at all. And Miguel. Yeah, I've heard Wilson Contreras has taken on Miguel Amaya, trying to take him under his wing. The problem with Miguel Amaya, Miguel Amaya has been able to stay healthy the last two years. Yep. Is he really the future? And and if I'm the Cubs, I don't know what they're doing with Wilson. Wilson needs to be re-signed. At least take yeah. care of one of your guys from 2018. So far, they, or 2016. The only guy they've really taken care of has been Kyle Hendricks, and that's because Kyle yeah. Hendricks just took, just took a cheap, cheap, cheap contract. Super cheap contract. Mm-hmm. Everybody else, they kind of wanted to get paid market value. And the Cubs said no. So, basically, if you want, don't want to get paid market value at the very minimum, the Cubs ain't going to resign you. That's not a good message to send, especially with this young, young talent players. Let's say, for example, if Brendan Davis hits. Yeah. So basically, the way that and if he comes and he becomes our next Chris Bryant, right? Basically, the message that you're sending Brendan Davis is get ready for free agency because you're not going to resign with this team. Or the only way you'll resign with this team is if you take pennies on the dollar. And no player wants to do that. No. If they're part of your, if they're part of your future, and if you really believe in them, pay them. If not, I'm, I think Wilson Contreras might get be traded during the trade deadline. Yeah, I would, yeah. I would. I would. I would. Um, I would. Ex- I would um, sign Contreras into like a five-year deal and give him like 80, 90, or even a hundred million because he deserves it. Regardless, he's carrying that. He's he's carrying the bulk of that team. Yeah, Jason I think- Hayward. He's not. He's not gonna return. He's he's gonna be in a slash. Um, they need last, to DFA, DFA him. Yes, the way how the Mets did to Robinson Cano, they got to do that to uh, Jason. Exactly. Uh, Clint Frazier has been hurt. I think he's, he got appendicitis. Yeah. He wasn't hitting very well, but he needs to come back and they need to give him a bat to see how good yeah, he is. Yeah, because all these one-year deals, all these players that we see from the Cubs, they've got to come back and play. They need to start because they're the ones that are going to be out and be traded. Because, like we said, um, we could go over the top 30 prospects. And obviously, the number one is going to be Brandon Davis. Mm-hmm. He's supposed to be coming up this year, but I, I'm thinking that he's not going to come up till next year. Mm-hmm. Then from there, you got number two, you got Christian Hernandez, a shortstop. But he's Andy. the future in 2025. So, he's yeah, he's he, 18. He needs some more time, yeah. but yeah, he's his ceiling is high. But then you know he does. You are number three, James Triantos. 
a second baseman and a shortstop, 2024. Caleb Killian, number four, right-hand pitcher, supposed to be called out this year. Jordan Wicks, number five, left-hand pitcher, 2023. Number six, P. Crow Armstrong, outfielder, 2024. Kevin Alcantara, outfielder, 2024. Owen Cassie, outfielder, 2024. Number eight, DJ Hurst, number nine, left-hand pitcher, 2023. And the top, the top ten, Brandon Marquez, left-hand pitcher, 2023. And he's been inconsistent as well. Mm. Him and Miguel Amaya should already be up. Yeah, they should have been already be up, but since they got injured last year, that's they, 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 that they rare that they rare their um their call-ups. But then you got yeah. to number eleven, Reginald Preciado, third baseman shortstop, twenty twenty four. Cole Franklin, right hand pitcher, twenty twenty four. Miguel Amaya, number thirteen. He went from a top three, the top three to the number thirteen catcher, twenty twenty three now. Then number 14, Ed Howard, shortstop, second baseman, 2024. 15, Kevin Mays, shortstop, third baseman, 2024. 16, outfielder, Nelson Velasquez, 2022. He should be coming up this year. So, like Ryan Jensen, right-hand pitcher this year. We saw him a couple of glimpses last year. But he should be be permanently up in the MLB already. Um, number 18, Alex Canario, outfielder, 2023. Number 19, Christian Franklin, outfielder, 2024. Number 20, Yo Andrew Pinango, outfielder, 2023. Christopher Morel, outfielder, infielder, 2023. Paulo Aliando, catcher, another prospect, catching prospect, number 22, 2024. Drew Gray, a left-hand pitcher, 2025. Jordan Nowu, outfielder, 2024. Chase Strump, Second baseman, third baseman, 2023, so he should be coming up by next year. Number 26, Daniel Palencia, right-hand pitcher, 2024. Number 27, Ben Leeper, right-hand pitcher, 2022. 28, Kane Euchre, right-hand pitcher this year as well. They got him. 29, Ethan Roberts, I think he's already up there, but he probably got sent down. Uh, that's another prospect yeah, he, that they had that... He got, he did not pitch well. He pitched nope, very he bad in his time. He was up, so he yep. might need more time. He needs more time, so that's why he got sent down. That's and he went from being the middle in like 14 or 16, went down to being the number 29 prospect, and then Riley Thompson, right-hand pitcher, 2023. So the Cubs have a lot of prospects that are supposed to be coming up within the next between this year and the next couple of years. Yeah, so this is the reason. This is the reason that I don't see them winning anything this year because all these signings that they did is just they're hoping that these guys did good so they could trade them and get prospects in return so they could replace the ones that are going to be coming up in the next couple of years, or have enough to build, to have a deep farm system to swing some trades. Yes, and that too as well because they don't want to do the mistake that Theo Epstein did in 2016 and 17 and 18. 2016, not. We're talking about 17 and 18, when he traded most of the top the prospects, prospect. top prospects to the White Sox, to the Tigers, and to whatever other team that they got to get the pieces that, yes, they went to the playoffs, but they didn't work out. And now they leave us with or another thing too, and, and another thing. 
the amount of money that Chris Pine and Javi Baez that they were asking for right now currently where they're at they're injured right mm-hmm. well they're Brian, is, Brian is on the 10 day IL and Javi Baez just came back I think I think last okay. week but he but was hurt for a while he was hurt for a while Baez was hurt uh, for a while yeah but he wasn't performing though they're not performing as mm-hmm. expected for the, as a contract that they signed I'm like yes they do the my, Baez is still being magic my Baez on the bases you know, the no look tags or whatever, but at the end of the day, this team, the Cubs, this team, prior before today, did pretty much get traded. This was not an offensive team. They couldn't score no damn runs. Mm-hmm. They faced good pitchers. They couldn't score runs. All of them were striking out. What was going on with them? So how can you expect? The, I'm not defending the owners, but at the same time, it's like. Well, if the team ain't hitting and you already provided everything to them and they still are not hitting, then something's wrong. Something's off. Different hitting coaches, everything. Yep. They did everything. The Cubs owners did everything because they, they were being made fun of because the Cubs were just constantly replacing pitching staffs and, and, and bench pads and everything. And the Cubs with Rizzo, Baez, Chris Bryan and adding in all these other pieces, they still could not hit. And now, Rizzo is the only lone club that's pretty hot right now is the Yankees. With the Yankees. I don't know how many home runs he has now. 11, 12? Yeah, he, today the Yankees beat the Texas Rangers 1-0. Guess who had the game-winning game, game uh, winning RBI? Anthony Rizzo, right? Anthony Rizzo, yes. So, he's, he's, always, been, he's always been a clutch hitter. His numbers, he's not a 300 hitter, but he can give you a decent... Consistent 260, 275, or even 280 hitting averages, but still gets his 30 home runs and will get you the 80, 90 to 100 RBIs. And that's good enough consistency for, for a bet. But bias, Brian, they're not like that. He's more of a complete player than they are because I guess, you know what bias is probably going to turn into? Jose Iglesias. Yeah, Jose Iglesias, great glove, you know, can give you a pop here and there with a bat. Not not known for his bat, more known for his defense. And I think that's what Javi Baez is going to do. Javi Baez, I think, is going to last in the league a long time because those are the type of players that last. But yeah, Rizzo's more of a complete player. Chris Bryant, he got paid a lot of money, but he's all but he's been hurt and he hasn't been performing. And his, yeah, he's very versatile in playing multiple positions, but he's, he, he, he isn't the player that we thought he was going to be. That MVP nope. player from 2016, he's not there. His nope. wrist injuries, all the injuries have caught up to him. He doesn't have bat speed. He gets blown away by a fastball right down the middle of the plate. And Rizzo, and I think Rizzo's in a perfect spot he doesn't have to carry that lineup. All he's got to do is come in, get his pitch to hit, play some defense. When you got guys like Aaron Judge and DJ LeMahieu and and uh, Glaber Torres, uh, Giancarlo, Giancarlo, Stanton. Giancarlo Stanton, like 
and uh, Joey Gallo, even though Gallo hasn't been playing a lot. But you got guys like him. All you got to do is, you know, I'll look for my pitch to hit and that's it. Now, if I was an MLB team, I wouldn't want to get into a fight with them because there's some big mo mofos. On that yeah, team. yeah, that's what, there's that's also some big huge, teams huge guys in that team. One of the and biggest you know teams in yeah. size I've ever seen. And you know what's the messed up part, man? Imagine this. The Yankees are, are batting and they got the bases loaded. And then your next couple of hitters is either Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron Judge, um, Anthony Rizzo, Joey Gallo. One of those fucking guys are going to hit the fucking ball. Either out of the freaking park or or, or, or hit a double or whatever. Mm -hmm. Those They got four guys that are, that, that are RBI machines. And it's like, whoa, that's scary. And that's a scary team to face. Like, I'm sorry. And I'm going to feel so sorry when the Cubs have to face the Yankees. Yeah, because oh. our pitching staff. Oh my god! <laughs> but yeah, man. But it's like, yeah, as a Cubs fans, we just hoping they. We just want to see how they develop. You know, it's still early. It's, it's, we're only got one month removed from MLB season starting, so I'm not worried. I prefer having these issues early than later, because the Cubs always are usually the Cubs. Usually, always have to tend to have, have the issues towards the end of the season, and this is the first time that I see them having the issues in the beginning of the season. Yeah, last year they had a great first start. Remember, they were, yeah. they were, I think, in June, late June, they were in first place. No hit the Dodgers, and then after that, the the wheels fell fell apart. Yeah. The house got on fire. Everything got destroyed, and then the yeah, whole fire anything. sale happened. Yep, they went on a 12-game losing streak where nobody hit. No Baez, no Chris Bryant, no Rizzo, no Contreras. Nobody hit. They let that um that 12 games there against maybe like you said, even against the Dodgers. The Dodgers after that no hit. No hitter between the bullpen and um Mr. Who was it? It wasn't not Zach Davies, right? Yeah, it was Zach Davies. It was Zach Davies. Davies started, okay. Yeah, Zach Davies started a game, and then the bullpen closed it out with Tapera, Andrew Shapen, and, and Craig Kimber. That, that's when they looked like, oh my God, this is a good team. You know what I'm saying? Like, they would have thought, yeah. like, this team thing, but it was because of pitches that carried that team in the first two two months. And then yeah, and the, and the bullpen was sensational. Live. Yep. That's why everybody so pushed the Cubs bullpen in, in the trading deadline. Yep, and it looks like it could be the same way with Mr. David Robinson and Chris Martin and um, um, even Juice Miney because Juice Miney doesn't need to be in the starting rotation so you can give it good innings out of the bullpen or like you said Keegan Thompson as well yeah. uh, we'll see what the Cubs do man but to, to put this so far, a bow in the conversation out of this team right now who are, who are the players that you see going forward or going to be on those 2024 Cubs. So far, I only see two. Yep, me too. Nick Madrigal and Nico Horner. And I don't... Mm -hmm. And uh, Wilson Contreras is not on my list because, unfortunately, I think they're going to trade him. No, okay. I, I, I see Madrigal, Horner, and Suzuki still being... Oh, and Suzuki, three. Three, never mind. Yeah, three. Those three. 
I don't think and Strowman. Maybe, maybe and Strowman. And maybe Strowman, depending. Because I believe Strowman, as long as he, if he could do good with Chicago, he could be a good trade chip for, for next year. Oh, and Hendricks. We forgot about Hendricks. No, I Hendricks yet, too. So it was only those five. But in terms of bats, position play, like bats, batters, I only see three. Should be four, yeah. but I only see three. Uh, who knows? Maybe Stroman does stick around. So for sure, for sure, it's going to be three. Maybe I only see two. Maybe Hendricks, not three. Hendricks, Contreras, or, or Stroman. The rest, they're going to be long gone. They're going to be replaced by these rookies coming up and or signings like Correa or or even pitchers like Noah Syndergaard if he stays if he stays healthy and pitches good or even like you he's said been, Jacob DeGrom he's been pitching well Syndergaard has been pitching well for the Angels oh imagine if they signed Syndergaard and DeGrom and I think they yeah, Correa might opt probably will opt out because I think Minnesota's having a good year I think he'll yeah, opt so out, I, and the Cubs might make a run at him this time again. Yeah, they will make a run, but they can, they will give him the, the seven-year deal, whatever extension stuff, and there you go. Because like you said, they're gonna be trading um, trade pieces, and Jason Hayward's contract is out of the books. His twenty-three million will be out of the books. So we'll just see. But so far, I'm not. Worried about the Cubs because I don't see them winning anything. I just want to see when will they call up these prospects like Brendan Davis. That's the one person that that's the one player that I want to see already being called up, and the pitchers Caleb Killian and Jordan Wicks. So as long as they start calling these top prospects that look ready to be playing the major leagues, I just want to see, and hopefully they turn out to be the players that. That's the reason why they drafted them and picked them to, to be. But we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I think end of 2023 and then 2024, that's where we're going to see a ton of talent come through the yes. north side. Yes, because we just got to be patient. And it's not going to be that long patient like it was in 2011. But we needed to wait till like 2015 for them to do anything. Oh, moving on to the NBA playoffs. Uh, we were left off for Wednesday's game, I believe. Yep, it was the 76ers at the Heat. And the 76ers lost that game 103 to 119. And the Heat went up to nothing. Then we move on to the Mavs at the Suns. And the Suns beat the Mavs 109 to 129. And the Suns go up to nothing. So then we head to Friday's game. And guess who returned to Friday's game? For the 76ers. Mr. Embiid. And they were happy to see him because the 76ers beat the crap out of the Heat. 79 to 99. And they go and he goes up 2 to 1. The Suns at the Mavs for game 3. The Mavs came back too as well. They beat the Suns 103 to 94. And the Suns go up 2-1. Moving on to Saturday's games. And Milwaukee. Celtics and Milwaukee there. That was a close one. Uh, I believe the 
Celtics were arguing something about free throws and whatever points, but the Bucks barely beat the Celtics 103 to 101, and they take a two to one lead. Yeah, we finally got a close game after the blowouts in yes. game one and game two. Yep, and then the Grizzlies at the Warriors. Ah, the Warriors are like shoving right back down their throats. They beat them 142 to 112 and John take Morant. a two to one lead. John yep. Morant injured in that game. Big, yep, big thing for, for the Memphis. Yeah, so if you don't play, then that's, that's it for Memphis. They're, they're not coming back. Yeah, they're, he's out for game four. So, yeah, I think so, if yeah. Memphis doesn't win game four, I think they're done. Yeah, so now we're talking, of, now we're going to Sunday's game. Suns at the Mavs. The Mavs, they beat the Suns again, 111 to 101, and they tie the series 2 to 2. There was a situation in that game where um, a Mavs fan was pushing around Chris Paul's mom and wife and kids or whatever. Yeah, that's bullshit. Yeah, so, you can't uh, these, be that. These fans are stupid. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, you can't be doing that, man. I'm like, you gotta, guys got to respect each other, man. Just because they're, they're, they're the enemy doesn't mean you got to be pushing their families or touching their wives or their moms. Nah, hell no. You get your ass beat for that. Mm-hmm. But moving on to the, the Heat at the 76ers. And again... The 76ers win this game 116 to 108 and tie the series up to the two. So the 76ers are definitely happy that Joe Embiid came back. Yeah, that game was a big game for James Harden. Yes, he scored what, 34 points, up. I believe. Yeah, he showed yep. up in that game. Yeah, he scored 34 points. I'm surprised that these games are being tied now because at first I'm like I thought like he was just gonna take it and that's it. And the Suns too, I thought they were just gonna take it from the Mavs. But everything's being close up. The only game that I could tell that hey, it's over with is probably gonna be the Memphis. So what yeah. are your thoughts? Are you still you're still sticking with that with those? But uh, over Celtics? I yeah, I mean Right now, the, the Celtics, I thought the Celtics were going to give uh, Giannis a little bit more trouble. And they haven't been able to. I think the Bucs haven't been shooting that particularly well. And that's the reason why the matchup matchups are so close. But it, it, yeah. I like competitive games. I think this is very competitive. Um, now, moving forward to, to Miami and Philadelphia, Miami's having a lot of trouble guarding Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid and Giannis are two two players in the Eastern Conference that are kind of hard to guard, and very few teams have the personnel to guard them. Miami is very good defensively, but sometimes they lack that offensive punch. And as good as Jimmy Butler is, Jimmy Butler offensively compared to other superstars, I don't think he's there. He's not a guy that can take over the ball game. Um. But I'm very, very intrigued in that series. Now that it's tied two to two, uh, Milwaukee and Boston play tonight, so we'll see what, what, what that game is. Um, Currently, right now, the the Bucks were up at the end of the quarter by seven points, and there's um, let me see, it should be four minutes. Yep, less than four minutes and fifty seconds left, and the uh, Boston is up hundred and ninety six, so they're up by four. Oh, Boston's up, up by four. Yep. 
Yeah, Boston needs to win this game. If they get a 2-2, two two, I think both both of the Eastern Conference games are going to be seven seven games. And Boston is going to be up by seven now. Okay. Uh, moving on to the West. To the West, I think Dallas. Dallas beating Phoenix is is very confusing to me because I thought that Phoenix has a better interior in DeAndre Aiden who punished them inside. Uh, Luka Doncic, I think you could throw in multiple players. I think Crowder, I watched a little bit of the Sunday game. Uh, yeah. like Crowder was really laying into Luka Doncic and rough him up and being physical, but it's really pretty much Doncic or bust. Really not a lot of interior pressure by Dallas. Everything shooting on the outside. And Dallas has been able to make it work. And Phoenix is very inconsistent. Booker didn't have a great game. Again, Chris Paul was going out with his family. I think threw him off. But yeah, it, I I think yeah, Phoenix should have won this game in six in six. But now they're up. They're tied two to two, and we'll see. We'll see how it is. Memphis and and Golden State play today, and no John Moran because Jordan Poole like wanted to move his knee when he was swiping the ball. Yeah, yeah. and if it, and if they don't win. Yeah, it's going to be Golden State winning the series. I, I'm still intrigued of watching Phoenix and Golden State in the final. But we'll see. I do like these games being extra tight. So, so very entertaining stuff uh, yep. now, from the Celtics basketball perspective. Celtics are up by 10 now. And there's 3 minutes and 20 seconds left. Yeah, I think they got this game. In some of these instances, I think Milwaukee does miss Chris Middleton. You're able yes. to stagger minutes. Chris Middleton's a big shot maker. Not that particularly good in terms of making decisions with the basketball, but when they need a clutch shot, he's able to get it. He's a better shooter than Giannis. And when Giannis is the wall is there and he makes that quick pass to Chris Middleton, Chris Middleton helps out a lot. So in those instances, they do miss him. But you know what? I wouldn't I would not mind seeing the Bucks face off against the 76ers and beat against Giannis. Yes, that would be a great matchup, and I think they're two players that can really much guard each other. Can guard each other. Man, I, I like the way how you were talking about big men. I'm like, holy shit, it's possible they could actually face each other. I do. I think it would be very entertaining, and I'm pretty sure ESPN, who's who has, and TNT, will have coverage of the playoffs. I'm pretty sure they would love that. Instead of like, you know, like Milwaukee versus Miami. Even yeah. though Bam Adebayo, I think, can really guard Giannis because he's not a big guy. He can move and he can really guard. I just think, I just think, uh, I think uh, my Milwaukee would match up better with um, with Miami than Philadelphia because Joel Embiid is going to give fits to Giannis and Giannis fits to Embiid. Let me check the Sox game and yep, they're still up four to one. So they got lucky in the first thing and as they had a pass ball by Sack Pisek and the catcher. They got a score run. And then she hit a three run home run to make it four to one in the bottom of the first. And it's still the same score, and they're in the top of the sixth. Yeah, good pitching. I think Kopech is pitching today, right? 
Yes, Kopech is pitching good to me. Yeah, Kopech, I'm very impressed the transition that he's made from the bullpen to the starting rotation. He's been he's been pitching very well and he's been he's been very good in the beginning of so far of this of the campaign. Yeah, that's good because he ain't doing a hundred miles up, right off the bat when he's coming in. That was his starting starting rotation was throwing a hundred miles behind constantly every damn pitch and I'm like, now you're gonna break your arm and then the next game. Yep. He slapped his arm and had a good to do time down so he was like, yep, that's what he did. But yeah, Kota could be a really good piece if he stays consistent and everything him with DNCs and and everything they that's where I could I could see the the Sox doing something. I'm still iffy about Lansing. I'm not a big Lansing fan. Well, if those three are pitching well, if you got Giolito right now, it would be Cease, Giolito, and Kopech. If you got, if you get Lynn sliding into that number four spot, and again, you yeah. would, would hope Dallas Keuchel can get better. And you got Vince Velasquez, you know, he would be your long reliever. If you get a bad start from Keuchel, if you get a bad start from Lance Lynn, you'll be able to, you know, clean everything up. And you might not even need your Johnny Cueto. I don't think Johnny Cueto was pitching yet, ain't he? Well, supposedly he was pitching very well. Well, I don't know when they're going to bring him up. I mean, they're trying to give him as much time as he can. But he's been pitching well in AAA Charlotte. I don't know when when they plan on bringing him up. No. I thought he had like a certain time for, the, for him to be called up. Wow. Well, second, but I don't know. Oh, okay. Damn, they're trying to quit or trying to quit. Now I could be seeing. Okay, cool, but still, again, the issue is going to be the bullpen. Could the bullpen be consistent towards the end of the playoffs? Because Hendricks, he's been closing out. Games where the teams are not that good. I'm waiting for them to play good teams, so like the Yankees and the Blue Jays. And... Well, they got swept by the Angels, so. Well, no, they got swept, but they split the two games with the Angels. Boston still up 1 away to 1 2. Oh, Milwaukee making a comeback push. Yeah, my Boston has the ball right now, so it's under two minutes. So I will end this. We will end this podcast when this damn game finishes, or it is completely done. Not completely not, but we know that they're gonna win. And yep, they score again, so they're up by eight. Yeah, I think Boston's gonna take it home and put it away. Oh. Milwaukee just missed the shot and got a foul on the Celtics, so they're gonna be up by ten again. So yeah, I think I think the Boston has this game and type series up to the two, and the next game that they will play will be on Wednesday. So we'll see more. I want Boston, but like I said, I don't want my I want my seeing the Bucks face the seventy sixes for the. Eastern Conference Final. That'll be a good matchup.
saw my thing you're talking about over the weekend watching the boxing fight, right? Yeah, uh, Cinco de Mayo passed, as you know, if our audience is a big boxing fans, there's always a Mexican fighter fighting at Cinco de Mayo weekend and and September at the uh, September September weekend. Yeah, 15. Uh, yep. Yeah, December 15 weekend. Uh, we have, of course, Canelo, who is the best boxer right now in the sport, and he's Mexican as well. So. He had a he's fight. A yeah, the ginger, yes. And of course, our our, our good friend uh, Carlos. Shout out to Carlos. He he asked us to talk about it on the pod because he's a big boxing fan. So Canelo fought this this weekend versus versus the Russian. If, look up his name. Dimitri yeah. Bivol. Dimitri Bivol. And, and he actually shocked and he beat Canelo. Canelo with a unanimous decision. Uh, Canelo looked very different com- compared to his last couple fights. But he, uh, he uh, you watched. Yeah, you, you watched the fight as I did. What were your thoughts on. Uh, on unsuspected loss and and I watched I watched the complete card every Mexican lost every Mexican lost the the fight even the main event too wow okay. yeah even the main event I thought Canelo was gonna win but he lost so what are, your, watch what are your thoughts about Canelo's fight or I didn't watch it until like the next day when I watched it on YouTube and saw the highlights of every round mm-hmm. and um he couldn't figure him out. He was trying so much to figure him out and he couldn't. He was trying to land some punches and he couldn't struck him. He took advantage every time that he swung. They rolled Connor and hit him and got him like dizziness. But prior to the fight, I know I was talking to my brother about it and he said, and he told me because I totally forgot that he was fighting. And then when he said, uh, but I kept hearing that, that to not underestimate the the Russian Bivol, I'm like, and when I saw highlights from him, I'm like, yeah, hell no, nah. it looks like he could actually beat him or whatever. And then the one I was talking, looking at YouTube shorts and everything, and the way he was saying, I'm like, hey man, Canelo's Canelo, he's just a man, he ain't invincible, so I'm just gonna do my thing and try to win, and that's it. Doesn't mean I'm gonna knock him out, but I'm gonna try to win and just try to win. And it looks like the rest of the people, it's like the Mexican. Because I'm not a big Canelo fan. I'm like, it is what it is. I'm like, Canelo, he is a top boxing guy. He's a big top draw for boxing right now. Because from him, there's nobody else. Well, you can call him also. He's the one that brings the attraction. You know, my respects, but yeah. It was a surprising victory, man. For for Vivol, and I was just laughing. I'm like, damn. The guy that supposedly nobody could knock out, like, he's the best in the world, just got beaten. So now he's like, what, 30-something or 40-something and two? Yeah. So, in context, they were both bad. They were both fighting at 175. Canelo had to move up and wait. Canelo, Canelo, before Bivol, only fought one time. And that was against Sergey Kovalev, and he knocked him out. Kovalev, at that yeah. point, was 39. And I think Canelo was in his late 20s. So, okay. 
so that I could tell you the difference. Bivol and Canelo were the same age. I think a, another factor that worked against Canelo, Canelo's 5'8", Bivol was six feet. So there was a big reach advantage, and then there's a big uh, also height and reach advantage for Bivol. So Carlos, when we were texting, texting each other, uh, you were also on the text chain. Yeah. He pointed something out, and that's and you pointed out just a second ago. So Canelo, if we watched his late last fights, Canelo, what he does is really he tries to examine the boxer and tries to fill him out in the first couple rounds to try yes. to find a weakness. Mm-hmm. Canelo relied a lot of his on his power. What I've noticed about Bivol that made his fight different is that Bivol was very fast. And Canelo could not adjust to his speed. Also, the punching the punching power that Canelo had was not hurting Bivol. Bivol also had him in the ropes a lot. Canelo was trying to goad him into trying to swing at him because Canelo would let his guard down and tell him to come on and let's go. But Bivol, very smart cerebral, did not fall into Canelo's tricks and he just boxed. I think Bivol, yep. Bivol just boxed very well. If Bivol had, when Bivol does not have the power of Canelo, if Bivol had Canelo's power, he would have knocked him out. So that's how one-sided I, it was. Bivol does also, not have knockout power, but he boxed very well. And every time Canelo would do a try to do a little comeback or whatever, Bivol would just counter punch, and he punched yep. him. The the strategy, to your point, the strategy in the first couple of rounds, Canelo really worked on Bivol's left arm, and that didn't work though. Then worked Bivol powered through, very good cardio. Canelo lost the fight in the middle rounds because up to the middle rounds they were tied, and in the middle rounds, that's where Canelo I think got irritated, annoyed. You could tell he. His cardio also was not there in this fight. He got tired. He got tired. And Bivol looked like he had an endless amount of energy. But you know what I could tell you this about Canelo? Look at all Canelo's fights. Look at the ones where he goes 12 rounds. He cannot last past more than six, seven rounds because he starts getting tired. He relies on a lot of his punching power and try to knock people out. And unfortunately, with those with those guys at 175, he can't. He actually has to box and That's come up why. with a strategy. That's what I noticed from Canelo. Like, all his fights that I've been watching and whatever. And, like, when he needs to fight and he needs to go to 12 rounds. When he goes 12 rounds, he's barely surviving and he's barely catching his breath. But the fights that he only knocks him out like in three rounds, four rounds, or six rounds, he's all normally getting everything. But yeah, but this time around, yeah, he he was trying to find a weakness, you know, like like you said, trying to find a weakness, and he tried to, but it did not work out. And this guy just countered and figured him out. He both figured him out way before the fight, I believe, because he came out being confident on himself that he was gonna win the fight. And I believe he, he studied him and studied all his fights and he figured him out. 
So now, you think they're gonna have a rematch? They do. They have a they have an actual rematch clause, and Canelo actually wants to wants wants to do a rematch with him. I've okay. I saw the interview after, and Bivol's trainer said that if they have a rematch, it'll be easier for Bivol to beat him because now he he's fought him before. Yeah. The strategy for Canelo didn't work. Canelo tried to work on his left arm. So Bivol, I guess, can drop his left arm. And and Canelo, you know, he has a hook in his last fight. He actually yeah. he hit an uppercut on his opponent and broke his orbital bone. And I think he was trying to go with the same strategy, but Bivol was excellent. Excellent. And he could not have fought a better fight. And I don't know, Canelo, I don't know if he can do it and if he wants to, you know, fight guys and at 175 I don't I don't think I don't think he could do it and also he was now he he was anticipating beating Bivol and facing Triple G in the September fight I don't think that's yep. going to happen anymore I think he's going to fight Bivol in September he wants for to that fight, rematch he wants to fight he wants to fight Triple G and wants to fight um, the other boxer um, Music Music I think Music yeah, but I think Busick is 175, and supposedly Busick is better than Bivol. And it, no, that's and what I'm he, he, he was confident to be Bivol, so he could fight Busick after him. No, I think he would get he he will not he will not last. I think he's got to stick to 168 and below. That's a sweet spot. Leave it the way it is. I think I think with losing to Bivol, I think 175 is is not attainable for him. Got to do yeah, he's got to do a better job than relying on his power. That's true. Yeah, he's a big time boxing draw so he's going to find ways to make himself look good and he's a big figure. He's the golden boy of this era. So and there's nobody else cuz he's gone who's going to retuse him and take over. Who's a mainstream? There's nobody mainstream. Everybody's already know. Everybody knows Canelo. Yeah, uh, he took the mantle from Floyd Mayweather as the top draw once Mayweather was gone. Yeah. He took the mantle, and yeah, there's there's nobody else on the horizon. And but yeah, but yeah, just we don't talk a lot about boxing in this in this pod. But since that was a big match and it was one of the big upsets. Because I think Canelo was like fifty to one, a fifty to one favorite. Yes. Yeah, and he, he cost favored. a lot. Yeah, he caused a lot of the Vegas betters. We've all cost a lot of the Vegas betters some money. Yeah, yeah, he was, he was, he was, he was the main guy. Everybody thought, yeah, Canelo's gonna win. We're gonna have a nice, good weekend. Like, ah, I'll take that back. <laughs> and Carlos, I bet you laughing because Carlos doesn't like Canelo either. So he's like, yo. Yeah, I'm, I'm just I'm just surprised at the way he looked. He gave up after he couldn't in the middle yeah, rounds. After he couldn't figure him out, he looked exhausted. He looked lethargic. He looked pissed off. He looked like yeah, he, 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 he was pissed. Yeah, he, he could. It, it, yeah, he, he thought he thought he was gonna beat this guy. It's kind of like when Tom Brady lost to Nick Foles, right, in the Super Bowl. Yes. And he didn't want to shake. He was like, this dude beat me? This dude? And I think that's how it felt like. 
I think if Triple G beat him, yeah, I think if Triple G would have beat him, I don't think he would have been that annoyed. But I think yeah, he had the Tom Brady Nick Foles effect. Like this dude, this dude beat me. Really? And even and Vivol was very humble after he's like Viva Mexico and all that stuff, and Canelo yeah. just left and he didn't want to give any more interviews after that. No, yeah, he was pissed. He was scared. He was like, he was not pissed because uh, of Vivol. He was pissed because he beat me. Like, what the hell? Like on my day, on, on on Cinco de Mayo weekend. Yep, I'm like, wait, what? He beat me? Like, that's why you had to say, hey, man. That's why you come here to fight and you win some and you lose some. Oh, now you're gonna say that, right? Okay, cool. I'm like, because before you were, you were always, you were always straight up forward. Hey, we're gonna win. We're gonna win. We're gonna win. I'm like, nah, man. Your thing is boxing, man. Go out there and box. Don't look for the knockout punch, man. Go out there and just box. And I was, I was watching a a, a clip from T- Mike Tyson. Like he said that the one thing that Canelo should have done was just pretty much constantly jab. Jab mm-hmm. and Vivola, and he would have won. And he would have won the fight, and that's what and that's what Canelo didn't do. He didn't, he didn't use a lot of jabs. Yeah, and also Canelo and during the fight, Canelo usually hits about thirty to twenty-five to thirty percent of his punches. He only had sixteen yeah. percent. Vivola was like mm-hmm. in the upper twenties, and Vivola actually threw about sixty to seventy more punches than Canelo. Canelo just didn't want. Canelo just didn't box. He abandoned his jab, like you said. He wanted the knockout blow. He wanted the showmanship. And when it was time yeah. to box, he didn't want to. He didn't box. Nope. At one point, he was trying to do a body slam on him too. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was laughing. He was trying to body slam him, but that didn't work either. Impressed. He picked him up like like nothing, like a feather, yeah. but. Well, this ain't WWE. <laughs> <laughs> but man, yeah, yeah, it was shocking. So, hopefully, there is a a, a a a second fight. And if he beats him, then hopefully he gets the confidence to face Music because I want to see that fight. Or even I want to see a, a third a third match with Triple G. Because Triple G looks like a freaking maniac now. He's up built and bumped up and shit. Yeah, I think that's the only reason why I didn't like him losing is because I wanted him to see <laughs> face Triple G because I th- then the match that they tied, I actually think Triple G won, but that's my opinion. Yeah. The first match, I think Triple G had him, but they gave it to him. Second fight was the top. pretty even. No. No, the first, I think the first match was a tie, and the second match they gave it to Canelo, right? Oh, uh, I thought I thought it was the first match that, that Triple G actually won, but they just gave it to Canelo because it was just like, oh no, Canelo doesn't lose. Then the oh. second match, they was pretty much tied. It was even, even that Canelo actually did did better than what he did in, in the first fight, but they, but they still gave it to Canelo. Oh, okay. Because I think, yeah, in one of the, yeah, one of those fights, Triple G should have beat him. Yeah. He was a better boxer. He was more aggressive. But because it was like the Mayweather effect. He had a better defense, so they gave it to him, which is bullshit. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, that's what happened. Something, something like that. So that's what they were saying. Like, no, I don't know. I think that's, and that's where a lot of, a lot of fans that don't like Canelo, that's where they started coming out because of that fight. 
because it was clearly that I believe that Triple G won, but they gave it to Canelo, and that's where the whole, you know what? Not hell, not he ain't that good. He's just he's just a golden boy. They gotta give it to him. Oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was our boxing over the weekend, Mr. Canelo. His second loss of his record, so. Oh no, he's 31 years old. I don't know. How long is he gonna fight from 10 more years? 20 more years? Who knows? But we need some other boxers to step it up and, and, and take the throne. It should not just be Canelo being the main guy to be drawing money. It should be other other boxers. Yeah, unfortunately the Gypsy King retired. Mm. The Gypsy King. Oh, he was supposed <laughs> to fight him too, right? Well, no. Uh, Ty- Tyson Fury. Yeah, Tyson Fury. Fury. He's, he he looks like he looks like he would fight good, like when you see his body and stuff. Yeah. But he's a he's a really good boxer, really really yeah. good boxer. He's gonna leave boxing to go to WrestleMania again to watch. <laughs> Well, who's he gonna face? There's no big giants no more. <laughs> no, I think he. I think the, the money match for Vince, and he let it go. Should have been. It should have been Strowman versus Fury. Yeah. That was a big money. That was a money match, but. Well, I guess he he could face almost. Oh yeah, almost yeah for real. <laughs> Oh, you saw WWE Backlash? Oh, re- oh WrestleMania. Oh, Backlash. I've never heard of WrestleMania Backlash. I did. What you thought of it? They had pretty good matches. Uh, I thought it, I thought it was good. Uh, the Bloodline match was, you know, really good. Roman is on another level. Uh, I still w- I still wish uh, they would have had a submission match with Ronda and Charlotte. It was still good, good but, a better match though than WrestleMania. Yeah, because it was more physical. It was more it, it was more up Ronda's alley. Ronda won. I mean, pulling the curtain back. I think I think they, they, Charlotte's supposedly going to get married to Andrade, so you know they're giving her no. time. They're giving her time. Next time Papa with a baby watch. Oh, I'm yeah. pregnant. I'm pregnant. Oh, oh yeah. After she's <laughs> after she told Rhonda Happy Mother's Day. Yep. It beat her ass. Oh. <laughs> yeah, there's, yeah. Yeah. There's some. There's some good. Mo- there's some good moments. Um. I still think the writing. They have guys who can work well and stuff, but just the writing sucks. Yeah, the writing sucks. I think they have better workers and stuff that more better like workers than AEW. It's just that the writing sucks. It's just so bad. But, but yeah. Alrighty, that's gonna be it for our show for today. Thank you guys for listening. Keep hearing our our podcast on Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. Share. A podcast to all your friends 
for likes listening to sports. Uh, follow us on Shine Sports Combo One at Twitter, and we'll talk anything, whatever you guys want to talk about. We'll talk about it here on the on the on the pod, and as well, Martin will follow up with his wrestling podcast. Go ahead, Martin. Uh, yeah, well, I want to thank everybody for listening to the Shy Sports Convo podcast. Like Ed, like Edgar said, follow us on Twitter and listen to our other episodes in our episode library at Spotify, Google Podcasts, and an Apple Podcast. Also, if you want to listen to more wrestling, you listen to Shoot Style Wrestling Podcast. Again, that one is on... Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts, and all of your podcast listing platforms. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you guys for listening, and have a good night. Good night, everybody. <laughs>